In my reckless youth, I took a temp job helping out a band of traveling Scientologist rug salesmen. One of the guys I met there called me randomly about a year later to say he was in China on a work trip. He had started his own business and wanted to see if I would come party. Of course I said, no, I'm broke. And then he said he'd pay for the ticket, so I said, bet, see you in two days. Normally, I put a lot of effort into learning the language of a place before I go, but two days is not enough time to learn Cantonese or Mandarin. All I know is meiyo meiyo from an iconic scene in the movie Saving Face, xie xie zuo zuo, which I learned from a one-night stand, and bu wo shi yue nan ren mei guo lai, which means, no, I'm actually Vietnamese from America, yeah. I use that one a lot because a lot of people think I look Chinese. Not a joke, just a fact. I didn't find out I was on a hot date until a day after I landed because I'm a clueless bisexual, and then we promptly got lost because there were no smartphones back then and the maps were in Chinese. So about 2 or 3 a.m., I stop walking. I stop and watch the crowd looking for an English speaker. We saw our last Asian American, actually he was Vietnamese Canadian. Point is, it had been hours since we'd seen our last fellow tourist. So I was looking for a local who knew the area who could also speak English and help us. So I look at the cut of their clothes. The internet wasn't full of fashion blogs back then. Websites couldn't handle the photos. So if someone were into the latest American trends, they had to get it from print magazines, which means they probably can read and fingers crossed, speak English. And you better believe on my first try, these two absolute queens were so flattered I could tell they could speak English by their mini dresses, they took us all the way back to the train station. Moral of the story, first, I'm obsessed with fashion. The day I make a celebrity best dress list, I will be untouchable. More importantly, even if I'm stranded in a place that's utterly foreign, as long as there are human beings, I'll find my way home. I'm the Bear Grylls of cities, which... Bear cannot be his real name. He looks like a guy named Neville who drank some protein shakes. Bear will jump out of a plane into the wilderness and drink his own piss like a Gatorade. He's in his element out there. I'm in my element in cities full of humans, even as dangerous as I know we can be. How much more dangerous must a place be that I don't understand? This is Ivy Lee with one E, and you're listening to Fogo, Fear of Going Outside, where I venture to find out what's so great about the outdoors. Today's episode, just fear, I guess. We're going to talk to a therapist. Be right back. After realizing I wasn't mentally ready to take in professional camping lessons, I booked a session with a therapist, one who is comfortable in front of a microphone. I saw Adam Marr perform some incredibly vulnerable pieces at Bedpost Confessions. Bedpost Confessions is a sex-positive storytelling show here in Austin, and you can listen to both me and Adam on the podcast version. Anyway, Adam, what do you need to know about Adam? First of all, Adam's smoking hot, okay? You can see him at his counseling practices Instagram, at Moontower underscore counseling. But also, he is a therapist people highly recommended. He even does trainings for other therapists. Real talk? I have concerns about doing therapy on tape. But for me, 
Shame and embarrassment are rooted in how I fall short of my own expectations. I had to do a lot of thinking to come to that conclusion, but basically, no one's harder on me than me, which is why, at least so far, I've been comfortable with recording every step as I fumble about figuring out how to go camping. So you should know, this session is edited for length, but I don't remove anything personal for just personal reasons. Adam's website says his work focuses on connecting clients to their own power to thrive in a world that is not always understanding. The world that doesn't understand me is outdoor recreation, so connecting to my own power to thrive there sounds like exactly what I need to get this camping experience back on track. So I could stumble into some tough stuff. Like if I ask you a question that's like, ooh, you might have to be like, girl, I don't know if I'm ready to talk about that on air. (laughs) Because that happens, right? If I ask a really open-ended question, if I'm sure. like, you know, well, it's like the scariest thing that could happen. And you're <laughs> like, here's my trauma from the past <laughs> coming up. Well, uh, <laughs> way to raise the stakes on this episode. I know. <laughs> my name is Adam Marr, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, as well as a licensed professional counselor. And I'm reluctantly good at being outdoors. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. And why is that? Because I've had to do it a lot in uh, being in the mental health field. So I've worked in uh, rehab for teenage boys. That was a ranch. And then a long time ago, I was in the God Squad. And Christianity and nature, they love to go together. (laughs) So I've done surprisingly a lot of things outdoors. Okay. Well, then you're perfect for this. (laughs) I would say I have FOGO for a reason. I've experienced a lot of terrible things. Okay, like what? Um, So we would go camping a lot out there, and it was more like in the desert. Uh, And so, like, the time I was, like, done is I woke up one morning, and, like, a quarter of an inch from my face was a scorpion. And I was like, no, like, she's camped enough. (laughs) Oh, my God. It was really terrifying. Oh, or where was this? It was in Cameron, Texas, which is like an hour and a half outside of the city. It's between Waco and Temple in the middle of kind of nowhere. And how did you pick that place? Oh, so I had moved to Austin after coming out and needed a job. And they were looking to hire what's called direct care staff. So people who help the kids with like daily living activities. And so that's I, just where they decided to put a camp like that for kids out in out yeah, there in you, Scorpion Land. Because well, if you run, <laughs> what are you gonna run to? That's terrifying. They like put it there on purpose, like a prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, we'll make this really unappealing to run. Yeah. Um, it was terrible. It's so funny to me that the wilderness education business manages to sell itself as both personal growth for the private school set and punishment for juveniles like literally a judge can sentence kids to a wilderness boot camp i can't imagine how messed up that would have made me but at the wilderness rehab adam worked at he was the growth opportunity for some of the staff i would always be surprised because the the ranch was out in the middle of nowhere this really small town called Mm -hmm. cameron and i am such a different person (laughs) to them like I was like an alien right like here's small town conservative Texas I show up in all my queerness Mm -hmm. um I would often be surprised by the connections I would have with people and who who would get me so out in that community some people really liked me got with me and then other people 
<laughs> like, I'll never forget after working with this person for three years, this person was in charge of our horses. And he took me to the side and said, you know, Adam, I don't know. I don't know many homosexuals and I don't like many, but I like you. <laughs> so you're like, okay. And I just said, you know, I don't know many rednecks, but I like you too. <laughs> but he saw, right? Like he saw me be consistent with the kids and treat them with respect. He saw my commitment to making sure the horses were taken care of. So he knew like I was a solid person, but I was the first openly queer person he knew. And so for him to like come forward and be like, I, I am changing my perspective and that is due to our connection. That's really powerful. That's what I love about people. There aren't any people out in the woods. <laughs> What's so great about the great outdoors? <laughs> I mean, sometimes nature is pretty, but I feel like you can get that off of Instagram. <laughs> yeah, pictures. Just put like an oscillating fan in front of you and like a spritzer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Am I supposed to be helping you go outdoors? Because <laughs> I don't feel like I'm great at that right now. <laughs> I... Yeah, I I think, y I, I don't know how, so, you know, if you're talking to a therapist, like in a, in a, in a clinical setting, yes, right, then, then I guess you do want a therapist who understands where you're coming from. Yeah. So maybe that's perfect. Maybe you're not <laughs> dissuading me. You're just making me feel heard. Yeah. I love it. That's a beautiful reframe. That's what we call it in my world. <laughs> I'm going to need all the tools I can get. <laughs> I feel good about Adam. He's giving me these warnings and laying out his bias up front. It's so hard to find culturally competent therapists, but it's important to have one when things like anxiety or depression do not present in the same way as it might for majority culture folks. Sometimes I have to spend half my own paid session educating the therapist on cultural difference. Because, for example, I grew up Buddhist. I got Buddhist problems, not church problems. I mean, thank God I don't have church problems. But Jesus Christ, it's hard to be Buddhist when you love meat and suffering, apparently. Anyway, Adam's not that therapist. He's doing the opposite of projecting. And he's gone outside. Seems like he came back in one fine piece. I'm ready for him to gay Esther Perel me. What is, like, your biggest fear about being outside i guess i don't really understand why people want to do it for funsies yeah i mean it's a little bit like uh homelessness with extra steps right <laughs> and right so i feel like my family came to america as refugees i feel like if i had to survive I would do it mm -hmm. and I have the will to live. But like, that's not why people are doing this. <laughs> so are there things I should be worried about if that's, if that's not my perspective and I'm going to make myself do it anyway for the entertainment of others? Yeah. Should I be worried about my mental health? I think where you're actually fortunate is that being someone who is marginalized, you actually get some gifts of being marginalized. So okay. part of that is we learn how to take on challenges in a diverse, like, array of ways. Is that, yeah, that's how I'll say it. <laughs> There's a number of ways to take on challenges that, like, if you're in the mainstream, you might not think about. So you've already experienced a lot of isms, a lot of 
stuff just for being who you are. So dealing with a scorpion might be like physically scary, but it's not the first time you've had to take a situation and handle it. So you get to like draw from all your past experience. So I think of it as like your skills in one arena can transfer into nature. Okay. So I, so I shouldn't be that worried. Well, I mean, it is also nature. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I look at it too, like the life is chaotic. There's always going to be chaos. So wherever you go, chaos is going to happen. And so it's just getting good at being connected with your internal self and saying, cool, there's always chaos, but I always have me. And that like can bring a calmness to situations. You know, I just don't want to, I don't, I don't, I don't want to die sure, because check. of some stupid mistake, <laughs> like dehydration. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's the worst way. You're like, do all this, like take all this healthy risk. You study all these animals and you're like, shit, I forgot water. <laughs> I didn't have enough water. And yeah. And I even like forgot cups. So I'm like, I can't. And then I'm like, well, crap. I, I didn't know I didn't have enough water and I, I already peed it all out. So I mm-hmm. can't even like purify my own pee anymore. And it's not going to rain and there's no water. So, yeah, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to die, be found of some stupid reason. So then, like, my aunt, my, my children and great-grandchildren will be like, great-great-grandma Ivy was a fucking idiot. <laughs> she died like they did on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> I think this is what makes nature challenging especially in this day and age, is that it forces you to be present. Like if you're not present in that situation, then <laughs> you you could get hurt. So you have to like be like super aware of like what's going on around me, what's happening. And that okay. is uh, challenging. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have uh, children's, young children. So you know what it's like to be constantly alert and aware. Mm-hmm. Just Okay, so... Uh... See, remember I said you had skills? I have skills. You have the skill I have already. The will to live. I will come back to my children. This on this baby has taught you how to just be like aware. <laughs> I be I might be missing a limb, <laughs> but it will not be a critical limb. You know, who needs a pinky toe? So if you don't make it back from your camping trip, yeah, take care of my children. Yeah, I, I'm probably not the person you want to take care of your children. I'd be like, you didn't come out of me. You want ice cream for dinner? Great. <laughs> Help, help my husband manage his grief. Yeah, that I can do. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's in your wheelhouse. <laughs> I like it. We're planning your demise. Just in case. You never know. I'm a planner. Yeah. I'm a planner. Could be, you're like, here's the coffin that I'm going to need if you retrieve the body. <laughs> here here are the six recipes for dessert. <laughs> Two of them are cocktails. Oh my this is the dress code. You can check out the recipes for the signature cocktails I would like served at my funeral on Instagram at Fogo Podcast. And follow Fogo's funeral playlist, Dead Body Yada Yada Yeah, only on Spotify. I'm not as terrified of my own doom as I am of a sudden death. One without a will to take care of my children, without a release plan for my posthumous nudes, one without a menu. Do you know how many funerals I've been to where the only thing to eat is donuts? I like donuts, but they're not an entree. While you check at Fogo Podcast on Instagram, we are going to take a quick ad break. When we come back, Adam explains how camping is like hooking up. My guess? Grinder is like a ranger station. It tells you where the bears are. 
sees a lot of parallels between me trying to go camping and him trying to hook up. For my people, sometimes. Sometimes people want like a more primal hookup, which I get. But it's like, it's not primal. It's like you order it like you ordered something on favor. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like this person could come over and give you a great blowjob or they could murder you. (laughs) You don't know what you're going to get. That's exactly how I feel about camping. Oh my God, my hooking up is like you're camping. Now it all makes sense. (laughs) I'm going to go in. I'm going to check the scene. Like, is there someone bludgeoned to death in their basement? No. Okay. It's looking okay. It's looking safe. I realize I really do think about safety around humans in cities a lot. It just doesn't feel overwhelming because I'm used to it. Adam's talking about precautions to hook up with a new person. Uh, Yeah, I tell my girlfriends where I'm going to be, with whom, and what time to check up on me. I have girlfriends who have share location on with me as a default. Could it be that outdoors people, they're just so used to it that they don't even think about how much they think about outdoor safety? Maybe me and outdoor people aren't that different after all. What would, like, success in your camping look like? Like, how do we know you've achieved it? How do we know I've achieved it? I guess if I've gone through the motions and came out pretty much as healthy as I went in. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like I should be feeling that way about the outdoors that like, oh, this is novel and I'm a curious person and I'm going to, you know, learn things and that will be exciting and cool. But I think instead what I feel, maybe, maybe my purpose is not literally to just be outside. I can just go outside if I want to. I don't want to, but I could just do it. You know, Mm -hmm. I think it's more, I want to go to understand what other people see in it that I don't. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what I would consider success is if I can begin to understand that. Even though the outdoors isn't where you go to literally meet people, I think it's true that you have to walk a mile in someone's shoes sometimes to know them. I'm driven to understand the human condition. I just am for some reason, and so is Adam. He made humans his profession. If I go through all the steps it takes to go camping, I'll for sure gain a greater understanding of outdoor people, you know, people who enjoy the outdoors. Maybe even understand them the way I understand normal people. It is funny. I'm going to go physically away from people to get empathetically closer to people who I'm starting to think don't understand me at all and have maybe never tried. (laughs) Oh, Lori, this is fine. We love irony. (laughs) This is fine. So what what can give you a sense of security out there? Because you're going to need something that you can, like, go back to. Because your mind's going to be anxious. You're going to be hyper alert. How can you ground yourself if you get going too out? Um, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to think about other things that make me feel insecure. I guess like if I'm about to go perform something on stage, I feel better if I think I've memorized something. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that applies. So like maybe knowing that you're prepared? Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe that's why I'm doing this and why I brought you in here. Yeah. It's just to go through all the steps to be, to just feel like I did everything I was supposed to do to prepare. And I think of anxiety as... Like, it's our friend. It's trying to help us. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So if we slow down and listen to it when it pops up, then we can do what we got to do. So sometimes we're anxious about stuff that we don't have control over, like the weather. So anxiety is like, yo, Adam, it looks like it's going to rain. You're supposed to be outside today. And I'm all like, oh, thanks for letting me know, girl. I will maybe switch gears then if I need to. So I can like invite it to go. If it's about stuff I do have control over, then I'll just work on having control. Hey, Adam, you know, there's a lot of snakes outside. You don't know what's up. Cool. I'll go look at a book of Texas venomous snakes and then I'll be okay because I'll, I'll know what I'm looking for. And that will invite my anxiety to leave too. Okay. <laughs> You're like, that's not very comforting. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when you put it that way that I'm like, yeah, I guess like generally knowledge, um, knowledge combats that, but I feel like everybody else has a knowledge because it was passed down to them over their entire lifetimes of like summer camps and stuff. So where you might then benefit is you're coming at it from a diverse perspective. Right. But I feel like that's how everybody else benefits. (laughs) That's that's how I might get killed out there. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it gives to me, it gives you uh, unique problem solving abilities. Yeah, I don't think my parents intended me to go make problems for myself. <laughs> they were like, life is full of problems. <laughs> I got problems. Why would you want more? It brings up a good story. Okay. When I was working at the ranch, uh, we'd put the kids down late at night. Usually it'd be like uh, 11 or so and then answer journals. And then we'd have like a little time to ourselves. And one night, it's like midnight, I'm on the phone outside and I hear something tremendous in the woods. And I'm like, oh shit, what is this thing? And it is coming towards me, and I had no idea. It was a little armadillo. <laughs> so armadillos are like little tanks. Are they dangerous? No. But they will, like, they just smash through the woods because the way, you know, they have all that armor mm-hmm. and the way they're built. So they sound really scary coming at you mm-hmm. at night. But the reality is they're just like a little ball. They popped out and saw me and just were like, mm, no, not for us, and walked away. Okay. So armadillos are not dangerous? No, not, I wouldn't touch them. Okay. Because they are dangerous? Not because they're dangerous, but they can carry a form of disease. Okay, that's danger. That's yeah. danger. Adam. Yeah, but you know, they're not like they're going to bite you. Okay. They're not like out to hurt you. Okay. They just happen to be a carrier of, I think it was some form of like the plague. <laughs> I'd have to Google it. Oh, God. <laughs> now, now, now we know like the worst case scenario is you get the bubonic plague from armadillos. <laughs> That's a real thing that can happen. We recorded this before a plague from bats swept the planet and we all got locked down in a panna cotta. But I knew it was a real threat because we already had a plague from rats, Ebola from monkeys, and flus from birds and swine. I didn't manifest this with my fear. But you better believe I fact-checked about armadillo germs. Armadillos are actually carriers of leprosy, the other disease in the Bible. So Adam just had them switched up. Leprosy sounds like an old-timey disease, but we only eradicated leprosy in 2005, and vintage diseases do sometimes come back. The nine-banded armadillo is actually pretty common down here in Texas. When they're threatened, their defense mechanism is to jump up three or four feet into the air above the predator, but they jump when a car passes over them and go KO. I see them periodically dead on the road, but it's never occurred to me to go touch them. I bet dollars to donuts, people do it though. That's a real thing that could happen. Sure, but like there's a lot of things that could happen. 
A plane could hit your house right now while we're underneath of it. We can't control that. I don't think that's the same, Adam. I, I think, ooh, I think I'm, we're getting to the root of what's up. Okay. You are challenging the illusion of security that you have created for yourself by taking on this task. Uh-huh. So it makes you go, oh, shit. I'm not really ever truly secure because I live in a world that's just chaotic. There's always chaos, constant chaos. That feels terrible, what you just said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I hate this crossroad where Adam has brought me. This feels like when someone tries to tell you that flying is statistically safer than driving because they think you should chill out about flying, but it just makes you question driving. But you can't drive less because pedestrian deaths and traffic accidents are on a sharp rise. I don't bike because I can't reach the pedals and the seats make my vulva ache, like in a bad way. Actually, this is worse because Adam's not talking about a limited activity like driving or flying. He's talking about all the time. And for what it's worth, I think he's right about security and chaos. My house has really big windows, which I love for my kids. The first time I saw it, I thought, well, this house is impossible to defend. Once a week, I have to decide if a loud bang is a gunshot, firework, or a car. Okay, so the thin line between safety and danger is an illusion, even indoors, but so is money. So's meritocracy and all my social media photos. What is the alternative in a universe chock full of chaos besides lying to ourselves and tuning most of it out like advertising and medical advice? I put Adam's perspective to the snake test. We still haven't figured out what do I need to do if I face a snake? Oh, you know, you just give it its space. What does that mean, Adam? I'm in its space. Yeah. How do I give something space when I'm in its space? You just back up away from it. I used to talk to them. I'd be like, what's up, bud? You just live in your life. I'm just living mine. We're going to be all cool. That's what you do at the ranch? Yeah. Okay. Because from my perspective, right? Like we had rodents and stuff like that. And those snakes would eat those rodents. I want that. <laughs> I don't want to deal with mice. Yeah. At the end of the day... We're all just creatures trying to, like, survive uh-huh. and, like, give each other space. Mm-hmm. It's almost, I think, it's like dealing with people. Because you don't know what's going on with humans. That's true. So you have to kind of just be like, I'm going to treat you with respect and hope you treat me with respect. And we'll go from there. And then if you want to be close, if you invite me to be close, we can do that. And if not, I don't take offense to it and I don't have to worry. So just pic- just picture a snake is simply someone on public transportation who's having a rough day and you don't know what's up. So you just give them their space. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. If I just superimpose business uh, city girl frameworks onto the outdoors, I feel like I'll, I have a framework to work with. Yeah. So you're like, Oh, I know what to expect there. I can get a cup of pee thrown at me. That won't be pleasant. (laughs) So I'm just going to give that person their space. Okay. You hear a rattlesnake. I know what's going to happen. You're going to throw a cup of venom at me. I'm going to give you your space. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I did not know we are going to get that real. <laughs> it could have gotten so much darker. Oh my gosh, so dark. This feels like the closest I'm going to get to having a snake plan. Just treat it like another human in public who doesn't want to talk to you. 
A snake is not an active shooter. He's more like an introvert who's like running late. Do you have like a camping mantra to help you? Do people have camping mantras? I, I don't camp that often, but if you're going alone, you might want something to help center you. How about this is not that bad? <laughs> this is not that bad. I feel like that's what a child tells himself when like the boogeyman's in the room. Yeah, right? So if it works for that situation. Yeah. My mantra is um, the one from Pee-wee's Playhouse. <laughs> What's that? Mecca like a high, mecca honey ho. <laughs> mecca like a high, mecca honey ho. And then you just stone, you let go. Uh, but I'm also not very granola. <laughs> that was surprise. That. <laughs> surprise, listeners. Surprise, listeners. I have a camping mantra now. You can get It's Not That Bad, It's Not That Bad camping mugs on FogoPodcast.com. Really, this is not a bit. I mean, it is a bit, but also go buy some merch. Next time on Fogo, Fear of Going Outside, I go to the nature store because this bitch right here has a camping trip coming up. Hey, it's, uh, Obviously, it's Mariah. I talked to some of my more outdoorsy friends who go camping regularly, and they recommended Inks Lake State Park, which has tent camping, um, and it obviously has a lake. Lake sounds good. Like, how can I die of dehydration by a lake? Fogo, Fear of Going Outside is a Spotify SoundUp series and was workshopped as part of the Spotify SoundUp Podcast Accelerator Program. Fogo is written, hosted, and produced by me, Ivy Lee, and produced and edited by Mariah Gossett. Our theme song and original music were composed by Michelangelo Rodriguez. Fogo is engineered and mixed by Robin Edgar, with additional story editing by Aaron McGilber and Minda Way. Production support by Benjamin Groses Eastrup. Fogo's board advisors is Jeff Shaw and Martin Thomas. You can follow today's guest, Adam Marr, on Instagram at Moontower underscore counseling. You can also find him at MoontowerCounseling.com. That's right, she's a dot com, ladies. From Spotify, our executive producers are Gina Delvac, Candice Manriquez-Ren, Andrea Salenzi, Natalie Tulloch, and Jane Zumwalt. Special thanks to Brian Marquis, Teal Kratke, Yasmina Fifi, and Shirley Ramos for production support. Listen to Fogo, Fear of Going Outside, for free on Spotify. You can follow me on Twitter and TikTok at Ivy Lee with one E, the phrase all spelled out, or on Facebook and Instagram at Fogo Podcast. Go to FogoPodcast.com for the newsletter, transcripts, and now the Fogo shop. Treat yourself. Because you do things for boys when you're in love that you should never do. Girl, that's how I learned how to bottom. (laughs) 